This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Leader Score Assessment, a simple tool to evaluate the health of your leadership. Find out more at lead2.win/leaderscore. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And in this episode, we're asking a tough question. Are you investing your resources in the wrong people? If so, we're going to show you how to fix it. This is one of those uh, things that plagues every business where if you're not careful, you know, you get these like demanding customers who never end up placing a large order or become, you know, financially significant, but you get your whole team trying to help them, you know, solve their problems or uh, deal with their complaints and it can suck you absolutely dry. Which, by the way, no return on the investment. That's exactly right. So we actually today have five steps that are going to help you put an end to this for good, which is exciting. And we've got our pal Larry Wilson with us to guide us through this conversation. Awesome. Hey, Hey, Larry. Hey, hey. I'm not that person, am I? No. No. But I (laughs) I want you to tell a story from your background because you used to be a pastor and you said before we started this, you loved this content because you found yourself in this situation as a pastor. This a is so bad in a church or nonprofit context. Oh, it, it can be murder. Do I have to narrow it down to just one story? <laughs> <laughs> Get the one that's the most egregious. In my very first pastorate, which was uh, many years ago, I had a young man in the church who was going through some difficult family things. And he was a father of three kids and going through a divorce. His wife was initiating the divorce, and he was distraught about that. And I spent hours coaching, counseling, driving him to therapy appointments because he's partially disabled and he was unable to drive for himself. And I poured countless hours into trying to help the guy and uh, help him get his life together, get his marriage together. And finally, I realized after months of doing this, and I don't know how many hours spent, he simply was unwilling to take any action that would better his circumstances or move him ahead. He went through counselors and therapists and pastors uh, because he just wouldn't respond uh, to any help, mm-hmm. but always calling out, I need, I need, I need. This is kind of yeah. like people who are addicted to their problems. It yes. is. Yeah. yeah. And in the meantime, I had uh, countless opportunities, I'm sure, that I passed up to minister to people and to help people and bring people into the faith or into the church. But I was just too tied up with this one guy that I just thought I had to save and it uh, just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I've had this happen at live events where somebody will come up and talk to me um, and they'll want to tell me about their problem, you know, and, and my natural inclination is to offer some solution. That's what they're asking for. And then sometimes you get the person who will disagree with every solution that you propose. Oh, no, that could never work for me because you don't understand. I have fill in the blank. And I, I had a situation like this happen not too long ago, and I went through probably five iterations of, you know, like here, here are the solutions. It took me a minute to catch on. And then I finally just said, I don't think I can help you. I I honestly don't think I can help you. It sounds like you may have to find another solution, you know, but man, it's frustrating. Yeah, it could be a profound lack of awareness on their part. I've got to tell my story too. 
So this goes back to my book publishing days. We had an author, a very prominent author, who we we could never seem to satisfy with his book covers. So he always, you know, he, he was one of those people that could never give us clear direction about what he wanted. But whatever we proposed, he said, you know, that's not it. It doesn't pop. Or, you know, he used language that's, like Designers that. hate that word. Oh my what God. does it even mean? So we had a meeting with him and he kind of just ragged on our competence and said, I don't know why you guys can't design better covers. You know, maybe you're just not spending enough or you're not applying the resources. So I, I kind of had a little bit of a messianic complex, you know, in retrospect. And I said, well, I'll fix this. I'll take personal responsibility for your next book cover and we'll get something that you're going to love. I literally, I am not making this up. We went through 32 different covers. What? Until he finally said, you know what? I guess I'm going to have to have my own designer do it. And his designer did it. And this is exactly what had happened in all of his previous books. And they gave us a cover that was very average. Huh. And all that time that I was using to try to make this guy happy, there was no way to make him happy. And so that was time I could have been spending with other authors that would have been grateful for my involvement and for whom we could have actually made a difference. So this is a problem in organizational life that you've got to be aware of. You've got to be self-aware enough to know where you're spending your resources and where you're not spending them to a good end. Well, Megan, you said uh, the magic words, I don't think I can help you. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, those are words I couldn't quite get to too often uh, in the past. But you can't save every puppy in the pound. You've got to invest your energy <laughs> in the people who are willing to grow yeah. or willing to contribute. So we've got some steps for helping you do that. And step one, acknowledge that your resources are limited. Yeah. You know, your time, energy, and money are finite. When you spend an hour, for example, with one person, that's an hour that you can't spend with somebody else. And we see this with coaching, you know, there are, uh, because that's part of what we do. And there are just some people who don't want to grow. And you almost need to pre-qualify people, you know, and you need to kind of think about your customers or your clients or even your team members. Ask yourself the question, like, do they have the capacity to receive and implement this advice? Because if they don't, you're just going to throw your, you know, your best effort after a situation that has no hope of turning around. So um, it starts with the kind of the humility that, first of all, your resources are limited. And second of all, you can't save everybody and you need to invest wisely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. This does take some humility because I have certainly struggled. For for those of you that know the Enneagram, I'm, I'm an Enneagram 3, but I've also got a very strong two wing. So I like to help people and I think I could fix people. And I have proven empirically beyond <laughs> any shadow of a doubt that I cannot help everybody. In fact, I can only help a narrow range of people. And I think that's my calling. It's my skill set. And to, to think that I can fix everybody that I come across, there's just some people I just need to say, you know what? Can't help you. Like you said, and I'm so proud of you, Megan, for saying that, to be able to say to that woman, I don't think I can help you. Mm -hmm. And most of us need to say that more often. Why? Not because we don't want to help that person, but because it's taking away from the people that we can help. And so it's a little bit analogous to the whole StrengthsFinder methodology, and that is that you can get greater performance gains by focusing on your strengths 
than focusing on your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And you could build a team faster and you could build a more competent team faster if you focus on the people that you can help, not the people that don't want the help or or you're just not able to help. Well, and you are never going to convince someone to grow when they don't want to grow. Yeah. You know, if, if someone doesn't have the desire or inclination to, to be different than they are, you can't want it for them more than they want it. That That's the key right there. You can't want it more than they want it. And that's kind of the measure that I use to see if I can help somebody. Yeah. If they really want it, then I'm, ha- I'm happy to help. If they don't really want it, I'm not going to try to sell them on why they should. For example, if a customer does not want to have a great customer experience, and there are these customers That's right. that they go from organization and company and you know retailer to retailer looking for a bad experience, and they have terrible experiences wherever they go. If they don't want to have a good experience, there is no way that you're going to turn it around. And thinking you're going to be the hero, mm, I'm into that. not going to go well. Well, what you've just been describing, not to go all theological, but we just talked about my church experience, uh, is set forth by Brother Lawrence, that you know that name, Michael, maybe, the monk who was a great spiritual teacher, author of The Practice of the Presence of God, and he had people come to him all the time and asking for his help and his spiritual direction, and his first question was, are you really going to do this? Don't waste my time. Yeah. If you're not going to be serious about this, then I'm not going to coach you. But if you are, then I will. Yeah, that's good. Step number one in investing your resources in the right people, acknowledge that your resources are limited. Step number two, become aware of where your resources are going. Yeah, because, you know, without knowing it, just like with your money, if you're not paying attention, you can overspend your time and energy and tell yourself that these conversations or ways you're helping your customers are just kind of one-offs and just this time you need to do it. And before you know it, uh, it becomes a really unhealthy pattern. One of the things that can help you get clarity is to do a calendar review where you look at where you've spent your time, Um, you know, being honest with yourself about how much these non-productive relationships cost, you know, so if you're servicing customers or clients, how much time do you spend with the customers that are producing the greatest results in your company compared with the ones that aren't? There usually is an inverse relationship between uh, how high maintenance a client is or a customer and how profitable they are. And it uh, behooves us all to get really honest and really clear about where we're investing our resources because it might not be where we're ever going to get a return. Yeah, and I think this is very deceptive because we think, well, if I just have this one conversation or if I just ha- take this you know, few meetings that I can fix this situation, but it's like the proverbial frog in the kettle. Mm-hmm. You know, you just get boiled a couple degrees at a time. And over time, this can be significant. And again, it's taking away your time and your resources, which are limited. Uh, it keeps you from investing those in the right people, whether that's in you know teammates or whether that's uh, customers or clients. You've only got limited resources and you want to make sure you're getting the biggest return for your investment. So step one, acknowledge your resources are limited. Step two, become aware of where your resources are going. Now it gets a little dicey after this because step three is to end unproductive or unhealthy relationships. I think this is important to get clear on is that there are some relationships, and this is going to happen in your life from now till the time you die, that are going to require termination. 
You know, you're just going to have to end the relationship. Uh, sometimes this is because every relationship has sort of a seasonality to it, a life cycle to it. And it may be that you're friends with people because you're in close proximity, but you move or you go on to another company and you're no longer close. But I think there are some of these relationships like this where you're investing a lot of resources in somebody where you have to take the initiative. They won't go away unless you take the initiative. And once you wake up and realize that you're investing all this time in the wrong people, then you've got to take action. And one of the best resources that we could offer on this is a book by Henry Cloud called Necessary Endings. And I love the subtitle of this book. We'll have a link in the show notes. The Employees, Businesses, and Relationships That All of Us Have to Give Up in Order to Move mm. Forward. That's so good. It is. It's such a great subtitle. And it's a wonderful book because he really helps you think through it. And I think, you know, depending on kind of your background or maybe even your faith tradition, you may think it's wrong to end or terminate these relationships. But I'm going to tell you something. There were even relationships that Jesus terminated. There were people that he just said, you know, I'm not going to help everybody in the world. I can only help a limited number of people. And so that's what he focused on. And I think that's true for us as well. When you say end the relationship, does that always have to be a definitive action on your part? Or can you simply let it wither by not putting additional energy into it? Yeah, I think happen? so. I mean, I, I think there are, it just kind of depends on the circumstances. Part of it is you can just stop kind of feeding the beast. You know, you can stop being available. You can you can stop bending over backwards to accommodate people. Mm -hmm. You can put people through proper channels in your organization. Uh, if they're customers, rather than handling those things directly by yourself. Um, and, and some people will, when those things start happening, they'll terminate you. <laughs> and, and that's okay, too. You know, it just kind of depends, I think, on the situation. But what you want to do is pay attention to your tendencies to be codependent, you know, where they need a rescuer, and you want to jump in and be the rescuer, you know, because that kind of gives you some sort of charge, you're getting something out of it, um, and start to disentangle yourself from the kinds of behaviors that would be, you know, kind of a, a savior complex, or overly accommodating, or where you're over-functioning. And sometimes that means you're, it's going to build to a head when you do that because the person's going to be so resentful of it and that will result in kind of a termination. And sometimes it'll just kind of die off on its own. Um, so you just kind of exercise judgment to know. I would say with friends, you know, because there's times you need to yeah. terminate a relationship with a friend because they're just such a negative influence and they're sucking up all your time and creating a lot of drama in your life. I think those are are kind the kinds where you can kind of move away from it and just not invest yeah, the resources. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think if it's in your company, if it's an employee, or particularly if it's a customer or a client, I, I don't want there to be am any ambiguity or for them to misunderstand, or I don't want to also put my reputation at risk by them saying, well, they just stopped servicing me or they're not, they weren't doing you know, the job that I hired them mm -hmm. to do. I'd rather go to them, and I've done this on probably six or seven occasions. I've said something like, look, we need to end this relationship or it's clear that we're not able to service you in the way that you want to be served. Right. But I want to take the initiative. I always want to be in control of that. I don't want to be the one who's acted upon. I want to be the one who's acting upon them. And very often in that situation, how we'll handle it, like if it's a client, for example, is we'll provide a generous refund. And at the time that we terminate the relationship, you know, more than what we would be obligated to on kind of like a prorated basis, or it might be outside of the refund window for a product. So, you know, we're just saying, we're done. And here's your refund. And that, that's just kind of the end of it. Well, believe it or not, you can fire clients, customers, 
as well as employees, and yep. you might even have to fire some friends. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Mike Boyer here with a shout out to Lead to Win listener, Texas Heaven 7, who gave us this five-star review on iTunes. It's like getting coached by Michael, Megan, and their guests. The material itself is extremely useful and enjoyable. Probably the best and highest level of quality I've heard from any podcast. Thanks so much for those kind words. Great to know the program is helping. And we'd love to hear from you all, too. Please leave us a review on iTunes. No matter what you think, we'd love to get your feedback. As a reminder, everything you need to implement the concepts in this show are in the show notes at lead2.win. You'll find resource links and a complete transcript. That's also a great place to share the episode on your favorite social media. Just click on the share buttons in the sidebar at lead2.win. Now, back to the show. Well, step number three was end unproductive or unhealthy relationships. And step number four, identify the people you should be investing in. This is so important because if you don't know what you're shooting for, it's very hard to get more of it, you know? And that's what you want. What you want are more people in your life, your life who make for rewarding and healthy investments on your part. And so when you kind of think about what characteristics those people would have, you know, for example, they put into practice the advice that you give if you have a coaching relationship or when provided excellent customer experience, they're satisfied and they tell their friends. Those are the kinds of people you want more of in your life or friends, people who, uh, you know, believe the best about you and you don't have to initiate everything. You know, those are those are the things that you want to be focusing on and be clear about so that you recognize the people that um, are different than that who in a negative way and, and you can get more of these people in your life. Somebody once said to me, don't spend so much time trying to heal the sick that you forget to nourish the healthy. Yeah. And I think that's what we're talking about here is identifying specifically those people that we're going to invest in, specific kind of customers that are could be highly profitable and low maintenance. And all we need to do is invest some time so that we create some leverage for them. And that's what we don't have when we invest in the wrong people. Mm -hmm. So it's important, I think, to be able to move forward to identify the people that we should be investing in. And when I say identify, I mean literally list them out. Here's where we're going to apply our resources. These are the people that we think have the potential to become uh, very high growth clients, very serious clients. And this is where we're choosing to invest our resources. We have five steps to investing your resources in the right people. And step number five is to schedule time on your calendar to serve these people. Well, Dad, kind of like you always say, what gets scheduled gets done. So you want to make sure that the people who are the most important in your life, in your business, in your personal life, make it on your calendar. The great thing about that is that when your calendar is filled up with positive and healthy investments like this, there's not that much room for the unhealthy ones. And you can legitimately say, you know, when when that person that always wants to pick your brain calls you again for more free business advice, you know, you can say, oh, I'm, you know, unfortunately, you know, my, my schedule is completely full, you know, or, or whatever. You have a legitimate reason to say no that you can feel confident in because you've chosen to align your calendar with your most important priorities and most important relationships professionally and personally. If nothing else, it puts a big pause in their drama 
And so much of what these kind of people feed off of is they want your instant attention. Right. And so if you can say, and I've, I've even said this to my own pastor, you know, when he gets those calls at dinner time when he's with his young family, I said, don't forget that emergency didn't just happen since yesterday. You know, that, that marriage that's falling apart has been years in the making. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to interrupt your most important relationships or your most important uh, time. So just saying to them, well, I can't talk to you right now. I'm having dinner. Or better yet, don't even answer the right. phone. But uh, I could see you next Tuesday. Now, they're, they're legitimate emergencies. I get that. But I'm saying what uh, looks like an emergency or what is an emergency to somebody else doesn't necessarily mean an emergency for you. And I don't mean to make this a Bible study, but one of the things we got to keep in mind, Jesus did heal the sick and he gave his time to those in need, but he spent the bulk of his time with the 12 apostles who would carry on his mission. Hmm. You know, that was, that was being future focused. And those 12 guys, by all accounts, turned the world upside down. Okay, guys, well, we have a surprise for you because Nick, our producer for Lead to Win, is here today. And Nick, you've got a productivity hack to share with us. I do. And I've already mentioned it to Michael and Megan before. So you don't have to pretend that you're surprised by this, but I'm going to force you to listen to it for a little bit longer. Unless we forgot it. It's possible. <laughs> it's very possible. But I, it's very rare that I feel so excited about something that related to productivity because I am somebody who gives up on a lot of, pro- like you get bogged down by so many things you have to do, that this nice idea is so much work to get started on that you never quite mm-hmm. are able to get over the hill where it's ingrained as part of your yeah. as part of your practice. But I am an evangelist. I'm all in for a website called Focusmate, which is a website that you sign up for. It's free right now. I would totally pay for it, but it's free right now. And you sign up for a time, let's say it's 10 a.m. And at that time, you are matched with a stranger and anywhere on the planet and you go, hi, uh, I'm Nick. Uh, I'm here. I'm going to work on this edit and these three emails. And that's what I'm going to do these next 50 minutes. And they tell you what they're going to work on 50 minutes. Is this and like on zoom or something? It's a camera. It's you're looking at each other. Okay. It's their own thing. Oh, okay. And then you just sit there and do your work together. And, uh, wow. it really is just, it seems weird But I cannot stress to you, like, not just me, but the people I meet on there, they're like, at the end, you're like, thanks for working with me. Thanks for helping me focus. There's something about visually telling someone, I'm not doing anything else right now. I'm not going to go over to that tab over there in my browser. I'm not leaving. If you leave, you need to tell them, I'll be back. You know, if you you have to go to the bathroom or, you know, a a child needs you, you say, I'll be back in three minutes. I'm, you know, whatever. So you just, it's a, a way to have accountability and I will say between that, it's it's one of the most impactful changes I've made in my productivity wow. in, as an adult. Like I am all in. It's like a study buddy, but for grownups. Yeah. You just set up times and I've never not had a partner at the time I've wanted. How is, how is that different than like if you had a boss that was hovering over you like that, it would make you crazy. So yeah. why does this work and that doesn't? But they're not looking at what I'm doing. Okay. So they just know that I am there. Plus so it's I elective. Could. It's yeah. elective. So if I really, you know, I you run into people who are finishing up proposals, you run into college kids who are working on finals or on papers. You know, I once watched a guy paint. He's like, I'm just working on this painting for the next 15 minutes. So I was like, can I see? And he's like, yeah. So I just looked at him paint <laughs> while I wow. did my work. It was awesome. But and you're then, not talking. Nope. And then last week I had a guy in a Starbucks and he, you can turn your mic, you can like agree to turn your mics off if you want. And it's usually people are out in public, they'll... 
they'll be like, you know, you asked them to turn their mic off. But I really miss being able to work in coffee shops because of my technical setup. I don't get to do it anymore. So I was like, can you just leave it on? And I had the, gr- I was so productive for that 50 minutes. Yeah, the wow. ambiance of a coffee shop. Yep. But you weren't even there. Nope. I think that is so cool. Right now it's free. I cannot stress enough. If you're working from home like me all the time, Focusmate is the way to go. Focusmate.com. Very cool. There you're not an affiliate. You're I'm not, not getting any like cut of this, just no. to be clear. I mean, there's no money. <laughs> but, we should, but we should check into that. You get 50% of free. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> so that's my, that's Focusmate.com. That's what I got, Larry. Well, today we've learned that every leader can multiply their effectiveness by pouring their limited resources into the relationships that really make a difference. And the five steps to doing that, first, acknowledge that your resources are limited. Second, become aware of where your resources are actually going. Third, end unproductive or unhealthy relationships. Fourth, identify the people you should be investing in. And fifth, Schedule time on your calendar to serve these people. Final thoughts today, guys? You know, as, as you were talking, Larry, I was thinking that the the issue that really is at the heart of this whole conversation is stewardship, that our time and our energy and our financial resources, you know, from our perspective, are not our own, that, that we are stewarding them and that we are obligated to invest them in a way that would produce a return. Um, and when we think about our time and uh, energy and uh, financial resources like that, we make better decisions and we, and we invest in relationships that are more productive, not just for us, but for other people. Um, I think that's what we're called to do. And that, that helps to bring this into clarity, at least for me. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that if we thought of this more like we do about money, Mm -hmm. we probably wouldn't get into as trouble as much, but I think time and energy are something that for some reason, we think isn't as, as worth as much as money, or we can just do this and continue to do more. But I would argue that time is even more valuable than money right. because you have a finite amount of it. You can't go earn more time. You can only earn more money. Well, guys, it's been a great episode. I only have one regret is that we didn't record this about 20 years ago, so I <laughs> could have applied these lessons sooner. Thank you so much for really practical advice today. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for leading us through this. And thank you guys for joining us on Lead to Win. We invite you to join us next week for a new episode. Until then, Lead to Win. And those 12 guys, by all accounts, turned the world upside down. Or at least 11 of them did. (laughs) Important point to make. (laughs) Speaking of the wrong people. (laughs) Speaking of the wrong people. This episode of Lead to Win has been brought to you by the Leader Score Assessment, a simple tool to evaluate the health of your leadership. Find out more at lead2.win slash leaderscore.